Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. Is only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a CGI robot, and I love films. As Veronica Roth once said, knowledge is power, power to do evil, or power to do good. Power itself is not evil, so knowledge itself is not evil. Also, the film Free Guy is a really lovely and funny movie, and I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, Veronica Roth, I liked it too. It's really, really great. Good call. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Kevin Smith, James Acaster, and even Eggy Scrambles. But this week is the incredible director, writer, producer, Nia DaCosta. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you get about 20 minutes extra chat with Nia. We talk in depth about beginnings and endings. You get an amazing secret from her. You get the whole episode uncut and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. TV homework, Ted Lasso season two is halfway through. So get caught up on all the episodes on Apple TV Plus and also check out Soulmates on Amazon Prime. One will make you happy. The other will make you thinky, thinky, thinky. So... Nia DaCosta. Nia DaCosta is a fantastic writer, producer, director. She is currently working on the new Marvel film, The Marvels. She also co-wrote and directed the new Candyman film that is out this week. And this week, she broke a record by being the first black female director to debut a film at number one at the US box office, which is fucking great. It's also a really fucking good film. So that is excellent all round. We recorded this a week ago, just before the film came out. She was and is amazing, and I really appreciated her time. I think you will love it. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 162 of Films to be Buried with. and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by a writer, a producer, a director, a little woodser, a ghost tape co-creator, a marvelzesser, and a <laughs> Candyman re-bringing back the Candyman where he belongs. Please welcome to the show, the incredible, the amazing, the brilliant, is Nia DaCosta! Oh, what a welcome. Hello. I'm so, so excited to be here. Nia, I'm very delighted that you've agreed to do this. We've met a couple of times, mm, and yeah. uh, you are in 
London for two things. Mm. Are you allowed to talk about any of them? I can talk about the one thing I know I'm in here for, but I don't know what the second one is. But yes, I'm in London to shoot The Marvels. Which is the movie spin-off of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, exactly. uh, which I'm really, really excited about. I know a lot yeah, of people yeah. are fans of that show. Yeah. And I think you were the perfect choice for director. Because I love comedians so much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell you described what going to a comedy club was like and why you didn't like it? Yeah, I guess for me, the first step is like, and I, there are comedians that I love and I will go to see stand-up, but like the first step for me is like, my worst nightmare is like going into like, a sticky floor establishment and hoping people are funny at me. Like it really stresses me out. And then I went on like a very um, awkward double date with a guy who said, I love comedy, which should have been my first warning sign to mm, be honest, but big problem. he was, he was a great guy, except, um, so we went to this, this comedy show at the comedy cellar, which I'd never been to before and have not been to since. And the MC was just like typical, like, vaguely misogynist like hey mm. look you fucking that girl that you're with bruh you know and he's like yeah and she's like oh, oh. you know it was just very yeah good stuff it's all good stuff for the sounds of it oh. yeah and i was like i don't like it yeah so that, that's the the energy and then you know just uh, a lot of sad women comics who have to like say that they're women as soon as they hit the stage and i felt so bad for them just wasn't wasn't my place wasn't my you know wasn't for me <laughs> just sounds like you maybe saw one one bad night at a comedy club. But I do like yeah. the description of fearing people trying to be funny at you. Yeah, it's stressful. Yeah. I only want to do that if it's like Chris Rock. I've seen Chris Rock do stand-up. I mean, he's like the best. Like, he's the best. Yeah. And he's very good, yeah. That That's amazing. You know, that that okay. I can I can only do, deal with the best if we're going to... Okay, that's fair. You know, that's you, right. <laughs> right. You want number one or nothing. That's fair. Exactly. Um, you're in town making the Marvels, mm. which I'm assuming you can't tell us anything about. No, nothing that hasn't already been said. Are you at least enjoying it? I am, actually. It's, like, really, really fun. I love the crew. Like, love my crew. I just went horseback riding with my key grip. Um, <laughs> like, that's how much I love my crew. My cast is amazing. I I feel really lucky. I think you can say what you what you said to me because it's a positive thing. You're, you're part of, you've come from making independent films and smaller films, mm. and then you're making this, which is obviously a fucking massive film. And you're now part of the Marvel machine, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And your experience so far has been, has been what? Not, I mean, I'm sort of setting you up to say. Yeah, I, I, I want, I'm trying to remember all the things I said, um, which is how I often feel after I talk to you. I'm like, what did I, Jesus, what did I, did I admit to? It's just been a really gratifying experience because it's probably the best experience I've had with a studio entity yeah. or just any kind of big brother entity. And, and for it to be with Marvel, which kind of, I think, is kind of scapegoated in, in the industry. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they're, they control everything and da-da-da-da. And it's like, well, they're actually are really open and receptive and, like, like hire you because they want you to be you. So it's been really yeah. fun in that way to have the resources that I have and to work with, like, my, uh, my exec, Mary Lovanos and Kevin, who I've, you know, loved since I was fucking nerd waiting in line to watch the first Marvel <laughs> movies when I was, yeah. like, 18, you know? Like, like that's been really... Really cool. I love it. I love hearing that. I love that mm. they haven't been interfering and or shit. Yeah, not uh, to me. So not to you. Uh, <laughs> here, it also, also, you are, you are here. Well, I suppose this isn't why you're here, but you are here at the time that your newest film, Candyman, oh, comes yes. out. Mm. I went to a screening of Candyman, <laughs> and it was excellent. It is oh, really, really good, and I loved it. 
It's really classy. It's a really classy horror film. It's very beautifully made. And I was quite impressed. I wonder, because you said you'd had quite a short um, shoot time. It was like, what, 35 days? 32, yeah. 32. And it's, you know, a lot happens in it. And I wondered whether there were a lot of quite long takes in it, long shots. Mm. Yeah. And I wondered whether that is just your style or whether some of that was necessity. But either way, it fucking works. I'm just curious whether that was always how oh, you wanted to um, do it. That's definitely a style thing for me. Like, I yeah. really like long takes. I really, like everything, I'd always tell my editors, cut as little as possible. I talk to my DP and like, let's develop, let's move, let's have like really interesting blocking so that we can just keep things moving or hold a really nice wide or a nice master. Because I like the films that I loved growing up or the films that like really made an impact on me had that kind of style and it and I love that you could tell a really interesting emotional story without really like forcing the audience's hand but you could still be really smart about what you put in the frame so like there there's a couple of movies that I can think of right now that like um that maybe I'll mention later oh, um, okay okay <laughs> that like really um made me feel braver about my instincts because like you know you watch a lot of movies now and it's all like intense close-ups and cutting 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 and mm. and I love movies like that too it's great but um I always felt a little insecure I'm like am I supposed to be like intensely (laughs) you know like doing all that stuff and i might my instinct is always just like well not always but usually just let the actors like have the space and try to frame in a way that like gets information across but isn't forcing you to feel or um or look a certain way more like guiding you to it you know it's really classic i I really liked it It, and it's beautiful and it uh, um it made me think i once heard a podcast with paul feig Mm-mm. Paul Feig and he was talking about Bridesmaids and he said how to shoot comedy and mm. he was like the the thing about shooting comedy is you have to have kind of you have to get out of the way as a director and he said it's all about how you frame it you have to set mm. the stage correctly for your comic performers to have the space to do their thing you don't want to be cutting you don't want to be going in you don't want to be yeah. giving close-ups and editing their comedy you want to sort of almost create a stage for them in the, yeah. in the frame And as long as it's artfully composed, then they can do their thing. The only reason I bring that up is because that's sort of what you're talking about with Candyman. And Candyman Mm. is a horror. And I wonder if you, horror and comedy are always. Oh, interesting. I I think the same, uh, just different, the same, but different. And I wonder (laughs) if any of that makes sense to you. No, it does completely. Because I think with comedy and horror, like you are looking for a very specific reaction. And that is Mm -hmm. laughter on one end and fear, screams, gas. Yeah. you know whatever on the other and so that is there are definitely genres where they like especially in horror you have to like there's a feeling that you have to like like jump scare should like force audience to to like be to be scared um but again i think i always i tried to just create like a creepy <laughs> atmosphere and i think holding on things longer also forced people to like get kind of paranoid and like look at the frame it's like why are we holding why are we holding yeah, why are we yeah, why are we yeah. sitting here why are we sitting you know and so again i guess instead of it being like jump scared like people hopping out and and that kind of thing i i wanted to like i guess yeah paul five is saying feek paul f is saying <laughs> oh, yeah. pf as i call him yeah um, owner of pf changs um <laughs> um yeah it's like let the actors kind of tell you where the camera should be sometimes sometimes you're just like no please don't stand in the dark but i think, <laughs> I think there's something really like useful in that composing the frame letting it happen and and when you do that have you storyboarded that shot or do you work that out when you're on set with the actors in the room? It depends. Like the, like we have a big opening sort of scene where they're all at dinner and you hear the story of Helen Lyle at the beginning. 
And that like wasn't boarded at all just because it was like, okay, this has to feel a certain way. We want to move through the room and then eventually get them into this place where they're sitting for the story. And so that like was just like rehearsals and with my DP walking in and walking it. Um, but then there were certain things like a lot of the murder <laughs> scenes yeah. where it was like shot listed and then we did previs in order to, to make sure that we, again, I think this is like when you want to push a bit more, it's like, okay, we need this, we need this, we need this to connect to this. We want to have this transition here so that it feels like this. Like that's when you want to like, for me at least start the storyboarding and getting kind of anal retentive about it. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Last question on all of this, unless you're not bored of talking about it is uh never <laughs> oh good well so you could like something like the marvel marvelous mrs mazel spin-off that you're making here mm-hmm, yeah, yeah like it's a huge project right it's gonna be at least a year and a half of your time two two years of your time yeah, yeah in terms of your brain you have to come to london you're from new york you have to come over here to live here to make this thing often with a group of strangers you don't know how do you mentally prepare for that? Or is it just like, mm. I'll take it one day at a time and see what happens when I get there? Or was it like coming here was like, holy shit, this is a big fucking deal. Like, how do you manage the brain part of yeah. it? Do you know what I mean? I kind of learned on the fly because it wasn't just that like I was doing this huge movie. It was also that like finishing Candyman was really tough. And like we were in the middle of the pandemic and it was really stressful and it really just like took it all out of me. And then I had two weeks off and then I started this. So oh, I kind shit. of was like thinking holistically like, how do I survive being a filmmaker that loves to work? How do I survive that? And it was really take it a day at a time as much as I can remember to, because I'm also someone who like, likes to think ahead and make sure that I know everything that's going on. And, you know, just, I guess, director brain a bit. But mm-hmm. I think the other big thing I'm realizing is one, I need to take a long break after this movie, but so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, in two years, you can have a break. Sure, sure, sure. Exactly. In two years, I'll, I'll totally go to sleep finally. Um, yeah. But the other thing was like, trying to figure out like what would set me up to be in the best environment while I did this really hard thing. Um, and that goes to the people involved. And so like, I'm really happy that I took the movie because I was, I felt like I was right about the people who were asking me to work on it. So like my Zach Mary, like she was a huge part of why I said yes, because like I always wanted to do a Marvel movie, but I didn't want to be tortured while doing a Marvel movie, you know, or, mm. And so if, if I thought they were bad people or assholes or anything like that, I would have said no, regardless of like how much I liked the story they wanted to tell. And because they seemed like good people, I said yes. And, and because they are good people, like the pe- other people who've been brought into the process are also good. And, and I've been really particular about that. And I've been that way since the beginning of my career, but now I kind of am better at it, better at spotting <laughs> and knowing myself. And, and I think that's probably the big thing because we spend so much time with the people we work with like more than most jobs you are with these people and it's so much passion and energy and it's early mornings and late nights and you just want to be with good people and i think that's the thing that helps you survive the, the process along with really enjoying you know what 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 one does i love that can i ask you one more question yes Okay, and this might be an, this might be annoying because I wonder if I'd be annoyed if I got asked this question. Mm-hmm. We don't. This is not to the detriment of others. Being a director is a shit ton of different skills and different. You know, it's a load of jobs. Some part of the job is working with actors. Some part of the, part of the job is planning. Some part of it is visualizing. You know what I mean? Like, there's a hundred mm-hmm. million things that go into being a director. Do you have a part of being a director that so far you go? That's the bit I'm best at. And do you mm. have a bit that I go, this is the bit I need more work on? And can you answer oh, that my, question? Oh, my end of term review. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I love, 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 love rehearsal because I love writing and I, I think rehearsal and also I like rehearsal before we get on the set. And then I love the block because mm-hmm. it's like such direct, it's like pure creativity in, in a sense. Because a lot of making a movie as a director is also just like logistical, <laughs> like not every decision is creative, but the like in those moments, especially with rehearsals, I love working with actors, like seeing how to make something better, like seeing if what's on the page works. So like the writing part of it is really fun, but the rehearsal part is like writing with people. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah. you know, less lonely than just writing by yourself. So I love doing that, love doing that. And then, you know what I always want to get better at? I always wish I could just immediately know exactly how to fix whatever, or like ask for what I want from each actor between each take, which is a near impossible thing. But I, like, I really want to get better and better at that because I think it's helpful for them when you can be direct and sure and confident. Um, I have no poker face, which is what everyone I've worked with has told me. So, which I think is helpful because they know I'm never bullshitting them. Yeah. But um, sometimes I think I could be a little more. <laughs> well, yeah. as in sometimes you're like, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's not right about this, but could we try this? Yeah, which I actually think is a really good thing to do because I think yeah, it's I think the worst good. thing is to be like, <laughs> like trying to pretend or just to be yeah. like, I th- I always, when I don't know, I always say I don't know because I think it's so much worse to bullshit them. Like yeah. it's just because they also like actors are incredibly intuitive people. Like that's <laughs> so like <laughs> they'll be like, you're stupid and you completely lose credibility. So no, I just, I just wish I, I always knew what to say, which is an impossible wish, you know, but that is something I do think about sometimes. I've, um, Oh shit. You okay. I've forgotten to tell you something. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Nita Costa. Mm. You're so busy as well. This is really inconvenient for you. Yeah. Uh, you've died. No. You're dead. Well, that's unfortunate. That, it's yeah, it's unfortunate, particularly yeah. now. A lot of people were looking forward to that film. I'm really enjoying myself. Yeah. Never mind. How did you die? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I died um, surrounded by loved ones, peacefully in bed. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how I died. Like Rosewood, uh, as Jack predicted. Um, just, <laughs> um, and it was right after I threw a very expensive diamond into the English Channel. So, um, so that that's that's how I died. How old were you? How old How old do you want to be when you die? Like a smooth ninety-six. Okay, so you're ninety-six. Couple of questions. Mm. Mm. Why are you throwing? This, whose diamond was it? Why are you chucking it in the sea? I think in my sixties, I took a break from filmmaking and I um, decided to be a cat burglar. And no one ever caught me, but there was this one um, police officer who was suspicious, always on my ass about it. And I said to him, you're never going to find that diamond. You're never going to find it. And so to to fully protect my family, I threw it into the English Channel. (laughs) i tell you what, I'm buying that film. Uh, (laughs) Question two, Mm. why you're surrounded by your loved ones, so they're all Mm. watching as you die, which seems Mm. mean to me, but okay. Mm. (laughs) But you're dying peacefully, but what have you died of? Um, so we're, we're all watching a movie. So it's like, we're just watching a movie in the den. Which movie? Um, we were watching The Princess Bride. Lovely, um, lovely. Because one of my, um, grandchildren's, uh, partners hadn't seen it. And I was like, you can't be a part of this family if you haven't seen Princess Bride. So. Correct. Here we go. This hundred year old movie. <laughs> this classic. Um, it was not even 3D. They'll be amazed. What? 
And I just fell asleep. And then my body was like, you're old. And this is what you said to Brett Goldstein on the podcast once. So this is what's happening. You fell asleep and your what your organs just shut down. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just never convinced by the dying peacefully. I'm just always <laughs> like, but I, what's going on on there? I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think my brain just said, good night. Enough's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've seen this movie too many times. Yeah. You've reached peak Princess Bride. We're mm-hmm. ready to go now. Um, do you worry about death? No, not really, actually. I worry about, like, accidents, sort of, but, like, not about mm. the idea of death. Every so often I'm like, whoa, I'm going to be dead at some point. That's really crazy. But I'm never, like, I, I don't, like, <laughs> fear it on a daily basis. Yeah, no, not really. Do you, what do you think happens when you die? Well, I... Used to be very much like we're dead and then we're just gone and then goodbye, like everything shuts down, shuts off, you know, et cetera. But as I got older, I like the idea better of just like something being there that's quite pleasant. I sort of like the the Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, sort of image of death where uh, Buffy uh, dies, sacrifices herself for Sunnydale or Sunnydale, whatever it's called. And um, and then her, fr- her, her friends bring her back to life because they're idiots. And she's so pissed. And she was like, guys, I was in heaven. And they're like, what's heaven like? And she was like, I don't know. I wasn't like in a body, but it was just, I was just happy. And I was just like floating around. And I was, I wasn't a body. I wasn't anything. I was just content. And I like the idea of that being like a state you can be in after all this is over. It's like finally your two week break, but but forever. Mm -hmm. Well, I got good news for you. Okay. There is a heaven. Buffy was right. Buffy was always right. Mm-hmm. And this heaven is amazing. It's got all your favorite things in it. What's your favorite thing? A cinema oh. where I can drink Manhattan's. It's Alamo Draft House. <laughs> <laughs> You've come to the right place. It's the Alamo Draft House. Oh my now, god! Yeah. Now in the Alamo Draft House, they love they love you. They love your work. They're wow. a huge fan. They want to, but they want to know about your life. They want to know about everything, but they want to know about it through the medium of film because it's the mm. Alamo Draft House. Of the first thing they ask you is, what's the first film you remember seeing near Da Costa? The first one I remember seeing is also the answer to a number of these questions. Okay. <laughs> In a really fun way. Um, it was Jurassic Park. Mm-mm-mm. I was in, I also have this thing where I, I can, I usually remember like where I was sitting in a theater when I watched a movie. And I, and this is like my first incident, instance of this memory, which is I'm sitting in like sort of like the middle front, front of the middle to the left with my dad and the last thing I remember of the film it are like the brachiosauruses sneezing on the on the kids and the trees yeah and that is my first memory but I think the reason why I, I remember it is because um it's I was so scared I was screaming and crying that I had oh, my dad had to take me out of the theater so I never I never finished it as a as a child ah <laughs> uh, was it just you and your dad yeah as I remember it yeah you got any siblings yeah my younger sister she weren't invited she was, I was not alive. <laughs> right. That's yeah. a big NFI'd. Yeah. And I was three, so she would have been way too young. Oh, um, you were three. Yeah, I was a bebe. So. Do you remember what, when you were a bebe? Do you remember what cinema this was? It was somewhere in hmm, Queens or Brooklyn. I'm going to go with Queens. Little fun fact for you. Mm. Don't know if it's the, possibly the, one of the first films I saw in a cinema mm. was a reissue that my mum took me to at the... Um, BFI of uh, Baby the Last Dinosaur, which is a film with Sean what? Young about a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And I 
screamed and cried so much we had to go. <laughs> it's called Baby the Young Dinosaur? Baby the Last Dinosaur. It's like they find the last dinosaur. Excuse me, I'm writing this down. Baby. It's called Baby. It's called Baby. Yeah, the, the, the dinosaur is a baby. But baby big... colon. The last... <laughs> I, I've had a look at it. It's um, mad that I found it scary. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, the thing I find so funny about like having to be removed from the theater was that like, I I think what happened was I got, I was scared. There's some stuff was happening. I got to the Tyrannosaurus Rex part and I was like, hell the fuck no. Like, this is Mm -hmm. crazy. When he tries to kill the very sexy Malcolm uh, (laughs) Um, and definitely kills that lawyer in a very vicious way. And I think the the Tyrannosaurus Rex went away and my dad was like, it's fine. You're fine. Everything's fine. I was like, okay, (laughs) okay. And then those fucking brachiosauruses came, and I was like, "Not another T Rex!" <laughs> and I don't think I could. This, like, I didn't get the point of that scene, which is like they're um, they're the nice veggiosauruses, exactly. Yeah, which is what they said in the film. Yeah, my poor, I I think about that, and I think I feel bad for my dad because I'm like I'm three or two maybe because I came mm. out in '92. He just wanted to go see a fucking movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's what? rated PG, and he was like, "I'm just, it's it's gonna be fine." It's and it's pleasant. a really good movie. He was probably it's a really into great it. Movie, yeah. And I just ruined his day. Has your relationship recovered? Well, uh, I don't. We, we don't talk anymore, but for very different reasons. I think that that was the reason, and we can all agree on that. <laughs> it, it just festered for a very long time, <laughs> and then he was like, "You know what? I can't do this." <laughs> and we, yeah, so I guess the answer is no. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> what's the film that scared you the most, or is it Jurassic Park? So yeah, so since this also could be Jurassic Park, um, my other answer was. Well, I kind of, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, I have 17 answers to this, but I'll say I have Loki too. So well, the way I think about this too is because scary, I love scary movies. I love being scared, but I definitely, I watch a scary movie. I leave the, the theater and the movie is, it's, I'm not scared of the movie anymore. Like it's not, really? it doesn't really stay with me. So the movies that I find scariest are the ones that actually stay with me, even if my mm-hmm. experience watching it wasn't as scary. So like Ringu, the Japanese um, yeah. horror film, like, I watched that when I lived in dorms in high school and definitely thought about that a lot afterwards. Like, cause it's so, and I, and I love the ring. I think the ring is a great remake of it, but it, that's more scary when you're watching it. But afterwards you're like, okay, no one's coming out of a television like that and fast forwarding, like it's fine. But Ring Goo, like homegirl looks like she's actually yeah. coming out of the TV. Like it's really, so, so that was really scary after the fact. But then another time I had that was the Evil Dead remake which was like very scary when I was watching it. And I like the imagery in that movie. Like I like remember watching the movie and I was like, fuck, I'm going to think about this tonight. Like, I know I'm going to think about that face and that demon body. And I just, yeah, that, that was like really terrifying to me. But for the most part, I don't really like, they scare me for sure. Like I saw the Hills have eyes in high school. And I remember sitting in the theater before it started. And I was like, it was like being on a roller coaster. I was like, I shouldn't have gone on. I shouldn't have gone on this ride. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't, why, why am I here? What am I doing? Like, it was, which is what I love about horror films. Yeah. I know some directors like show show the crew certain films as like Mm-mm-mm. references or inspirations. Did you have a, are there a list of films for Candyman? Yeah, yeah. It was like Rosemary's Baby, The Fly, <laughs> Phantasm. What else did we do? There were a lot. We were, oh, <laughs> Don't Look Now. Which was really for me and my um, my editor, which I'd never seen before. And we sat down and we watched. It. Do you love you love this movie, don't you? I think it's the greatest movie ever made. Do you really? I do. Yeah, that is really interesting. I talk about it a lot. 
<laughs> I mean, if you if you listen to this podcast, you'll know I bought people I do, wait, that I did, wait, maybe I missed this episode. Wait, that's really, okay. I've so, tried to stop myself talking about it because I talk about it so much. Okay, but I won't. you can talk about welcome. it. Okay, so oh, basically. Please, please, because we haven't talked <laughs> about it in ages. Okay, good. Um, so my editor and I sat down. We're like, okay, we're making a horror film. Let's watch Guts Inspired. Don't look now, obviously, on every list of best movies, best horror movies, whatever. And I knew there was something about this ending that was going to be really... And I knew there was like really interesting sex scene in the middle, which I thought, which I really wanted to <laughs> something for, but I was really interested in seeing. Yeah. And so we watched it, and the thing that I loved about it was the editing. How like how interesting the editing is. How it just plays by its own rules, but it's completely it makes sense. I mean, sort of. <laughs> and then that the the sex scene in the middle was really interesting, and I love how it plays with like grief and memory and like like sensation. It was like very like sensual, like in terms of like sensory, I guess, um, as a film, which I thought was really interesting. So I was, you know, I was like, I'm not scared of this movie, but I'm intrigued by it. And then the ending, (laughs) I was like, what on earth is going on? (laughs) But that ending for me, I was like, I have to make everyone watch this now. (laughs) So (laughs) that's why it's on this. Absolutely love that film. We'll talk about it another time forever. Mm -hmm. And you'll be like, I wish I'd never brought it out. But you do like her. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay. Good. What's the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier near Da Costa? So I wasn't a crier. I was always a crier in like movies, um, TV shows, commercials. Uh, <laughs> in my life, never. I'd be like, what's there to cry about? I've since done some therapy. Cry a lot more now. It's a wonderful thing. I think crying That's is very right. important. Um, but in terms of the movie that made me cry the most, again, Jurassic Park. However, um, <laughs> I think as an adult, I think it was Roma. Oh, genuinely fun. yeah that's fair roma really which i thought was i think was my favorite movie of 2018 i just that and like shoplifters which also made me cry uh, so much um i think two one. of the best movies that have come out in the past like 25 years like truly shoplifters number one yeah so my friends and i had this debate we were shoplifters in roma and i was like listen i don't i don't they both can win you know i was like but, yeah no they, can, they, they yeah, both no. can have it no but i but i understand the shoplifters of it all it's it, that is like a really special movie like but roma like it there's just so much heart in that movie and so much love in that movie and it's and i love that quaron doesn't like shy away from how complex like the social dynamic is between this main character and basically his, yeah. his family and and, and 
oh, that part where um, the kids are like in the water and then they hug her and they, the kids come out and they hug because they almost drown. And, and, she, and there was like, we love you. We love you. And I was just like, could not stop crying. I was like, this is, and I, I think I'm pretty sure I cried to them in the movie. Yeah, it was really, but I love moments like that where you're just like so moved by, by a display of like love in a film, even if it feels imperfect. But in that moment, it is very pure. Like it is really yeah. like profound. I, I fucking love that movie. I completely agree with you. And I haven't said this for a long time, so I'm going to say it again. Mm. Shoplifters mm. contains, I think, the greatest hug in film history. Oh, what happened? What happened? The, the woman on the, they're sat around the, the fire and she's mm. got the little girl. It's like the little girl's like sat, sat in front of her and she looks at her arms and sees that they're covered in like scars and cigarette burns. Mm-mm. And she says to her, I want you to know that if, if you ever think that this is, that, that was what love was, mm. that isn't what love was. Yeah, this is yeah. how love feels. And she hugs her. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I remember Oh dear. It is really that the end of the movie where she goes, um, she goes when they're being interrogated. Yeah. And the guy says, refers to her as her, the, the girl's mother. And she goes, Oh, does that what did she call me that? Like, did she? And she's like, so like struck by that. And I was just like, I can't handle this. Like, it's so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love a good movie. Do you like a good movie cry? I, uh, yes, but only on my own. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I deliberately go and see stuff I know is going to make me cry on my own. That's so I'm, funny. I, I'm riddled with toxic masculinity and don't want oh, good, to good. see me cry. Are you unlearning? Are you, are you listening and learning? <laughs> I'm listening and learning and shit, but you know, still yeah. don't want people to see me cry. By your fucking self. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a really funny experience crying in a movie with my friend where I was seeing Jojo Rabbit and I start crying when a very important character died, which was like maybe 20, 25 minutes before the movie ended. And I yeah. did not stop crying until the movie ended. And my friend just like silently retrieves a crumpled tissue and just like passes it silently <laughs> over to me. Cause like, I like couldn't, I just was just like, Oh my God, like these babies and the war and he's alone. And oh my, and, and there's some jokes going on. Like, Oh, it's not a good time to be a Nazi. You know, all those really like <laughs> ridiculous things that should not work. But, um, yeah, the movie fucked me up too. But, but that was like an aroma. It just, oh, yeah, right yeah. Yeah. What's the film that most people don't like? It's not critically acclaimed, hmm. but you love it unconditionally. <laughs> I just remembered one that actually has a funny story attached. So I'm gonna... <laughs> Go it's a very it. short story. Okay, it's not. This isn't my official answer though. But <laughs> I went to go see Babel um, when I was like, the year it came out. So it was like 15 or 16. That movie, I also cried a lot watching that movie. Um, yeah. Rinko Kikuchi. I thought she was robbed at the Oscars that year, but um, I was like crying. Like, oh my God, it, like leaving the theater, like just wiping away the tears, like with my friends, oh my, wow. And then I leave and I make eye contact with this guy and he goes, I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> As if I'd be like in with him. And I was like, I was so like affronted. <laughs> and I think I made this face and he just kind of like turned away. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? Like, I, and then I didn't realize until like a couple years later that people kind of shit on Babel a little bit. And I was like, the movie is amazing like, i think that movie is fucking amazing oh, what's your man. official answer oh um um what lies beneath have you seen that i movie? love what lies beneath so i made okay this is actually really funny this is another movie that i had my dp watch as it relates to Candyman. like <laughs> and the movie is like this is the movie that robert zemeckis made i talk about this all the time i talked about this on this another podcast i fucking love this movie but 
It's a movie that Zemeckis made in between the the island bits of yes. um, Castaway Castor. and the other shit, Russia and America shit of Castaway. And it's just, so, it's so good. It's really tight and it's really interesting and it's weird and it has like great like suspense. It's sort of Hitchcocky in a way. And it does a lot of like holding on shots and like things living in a master or like a two. And it's really good. Like Michelle Pfeiffer, queen, queen of my life. Um, <laughs> the greatest. Oh God. She's, she's stunning, stunning, stunning woman. Um, but, uh, Harrison Ford also adequate. It's just, it's so, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. You can have that. What's the film that you used to love? You loved it, but then you watched it recently and you've gone, Oh, I do not like this anymore. For whatever reason that might be. Here to Costa. So enough, I think is like, was like contemporaneously, like a modern day sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. And I used to watch sleeping with the enemy when I was younger and I was like, whoa, wow, like that is crazy. Life is insane that that could happen to a person. <laughs> and there's so many things that happen in that movie that when I watched it when I was older, I was like, this is fucking inappropriate. Like, first of all, the abuse in that relationship is really poorly done. Secondly, when she goes to the small town and falls in love with a drama teacher, there's a scene where he's literally... He's like, they're kissing. He's on top of her on the stairs. And then she's like, okay, stop. Cause she's like triggered and uncomfortable. And he like, doesn't stop. And she's like, stop seriously. And he's like, yeah. and he keeps kissing her. And then she hits him after like saying stop for a third time. And he pulls away, looks at her and says, what did he do to you? <laughs> and I'm like, sir, it's what you're doing in the moment right now. <laughs> like, that's the problem. Wow. Like, and I was just thinking about that. Cause I oh, was, um, yeah, I was revisiting in the film and I just thought to myself, that's very bad. So that was definitely a movie I revisited and I was like, no, thank you very much. <laughs> What's the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily mm. the film itself is any good, because the experience you had around seeing the film will always mm. make it special to you. This is very hard. Yeah. Very, 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 very hard. I think it's Apocalypse Now. Great, great film. Because it's the movie that made me realize, or, or probably the most prominent of a number of movies that made me realize I wanted to be a director, as opposed to some other shit in film. And I also watched that movie, I was in AP English at the time, and we were reading um, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. And my teacher was like, oh yeah, that's, um, there's this movie called Apocalypse Now that's sort of a, a sort of loose adaptation of it. And I was like, okay, cool. And also happened to be in my dorm. And like at the time, you just watched whatever was in the dorm over and over again. Because we had like six tapes or six DVDs. Right. Um, and so I watched the movie. And obviously I'd seen movies like Jurassic Park where it's like lots of special effects and all this stuff. And big movies with big ideas. And But I'd never, I felt like I'd never seen a movie that was as audacious as that. Like, and the audacity in part was going to a Southeast Asian country and bombing the shit out of it as if it is Vietnam. Which, in retrospect, not great. But I thought the film was beautiful. I thought it was ambitious. I And then, of course, when you watch um, Hearts of Darkness, the documentary about the making of it, you're like, oh, that's crazy. Like, you know, like people like put, literally put their blood, sweat, and tears and cocaine into making that film. And I felt like... <laughs> I just felt like in movies, you can do anything. Like, that's really what, how that movie made me feel. And so it's a movie that I watched before I start directing anything. Um, so I've watched it four times. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I um, I read that movie a lot. I, I think it's fucking awesome. I watched an IMAX recently. Oh wow! And like it was like his his latest cut of the film. And, oh, yeah, like, has the latest cut. Leave 
the cutting room and make me another movie, please. <laughs> like, Agreed. Bye. Leave it um, alone. It's very good. It's so good. But this cut was really good, actually. It was really good. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Great, great, great answer. What's the film you most relate to, Neander Costa? So, same time period. I was feeling very, like, high school, wanting to, like, be an adult and thinking very naively that, like, adults just were more, more sensible people than teenagers. Not the case. Um, <laughs> or, like, <laughs> just thinking, like, so, you know, like, things are going to be so much better after this. And uh, so Dazed and Confused was a movie that, like, really, like, I really felt that. I felt that, like, excitement about, like, the last day of school and, like, the hope and the excitement and, like, not just the first summer, but for, like, the rest of your life. And there's just one shot in that movie that I fucking love where uh, the main guy, it, he's, like, they're, like, in a field. It's, like, near the end of the film. And one of his friends is, like, like, um, like he's just talking about what, he's gonna, what he would say about, about this place that they're from. And while he's, like, going in, in, in on, on the town that he really doesn't like, it's just, like, Linklater just, like, slows everything down for the shot of the main guy. And, like, he just has this wistful, hopeful look on his face. And it's, like, completely outside of, like, the grammar of the rest of the scene. And it's just this really special moment. And I was like, oh, that completely captures for me, like, how I feel right now. I related to that a lot in that moment. And also, I just fucking love that movie. That is a really, really yeah. smart answer. I love that. Uh, what's Richard Linklater's best film? School of Rock. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Listen, Boyhood is amazing. It is a feat of filmmaking, but School of sure. Rock is... Yeah. I mean... <laughs> the Before Sunrise trilogy, lovely stuff, but it's no School of Rock. But who cares? Just people talking, not enough music. <laughs> not enough Jack Black, okay? Not enough kicking some ass. Mm-hmm. Now, here we go. We have Uh-oh. to do it. You know we have to do it, so yeah. let's just do it, and then it's yeah. done, okay? Mm-hmm. What's the sexiest film you've ever seen, Nia DaCosta? Oh, my God. This is also high school, so... A lot of form, a lot of form, a lot of things were happening to me and my brain and my time, body in high school. Time. Y tu mama también is. Do you get that? You must get that a lot, though. <laughs> I mean, it's come up before, but it's hard to beat. I mean, I just feel like a lot of things were happening inside of me when <laughs> every time I watched that movie, and that movie was another film that we had in the dorm, so. Oh, really? It, 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 it was literally like, you know how like men go to strip clubs together, which I yeah. find strange. It was like the female, like teenage girl version of that, where we <laughs> sat in the dorm and like, play it again. <laughs> like, it was awesome. <laughs> um, but it is also like an amazing film. But I mean, Gal Garcia Bernal, Diego Luna, so fucking hot. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, what's the actress's name? I feel terrible. She's also in Pan's Labyrinth, which is another film. Um, Pan's Labyrinth is one of my faves. Maribel Verdu. Yes, please. Yeah. Maribel Verdu, Gallagher C. Bernal, Diego Luna, together. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first time I saw, like, a threesome. The first time I saw that much sex in a movie. The first time I saw two guys going at it in a movie. Like, I was just like, everything is happening and everything is great. Um, and at the same <laughs> time, you're watching, like, this country sort of go through this huge upheaval and this these guys are going through an emotional appeal. That's not the point. The point is, <laughs> at <laughs> the end of the film, when they finally fuck, we're just yeah. like, yes. Like, your guy just scored a touchdown. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. This it's a, such a good film as well. And it's really moving. Yeah. And I love the ending. I think it's, mm. it's really subtle and really deep. And I love all, yeah. the, all the voiceover and the way it does all, everyone's lives very quickly. Oh, I it's love a it. It's a fucking great film. Yeah. Great choice. Now, Thank you very much. we've arrived at some people's <clears throat> favourite part. 
Troubling boners, worrying wide-ons. Mm. What's the film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should? <laughs> it's hard because I don't think anything... I don't think shit, you know, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, no, nothing's worrying about a wide-on is what you're saying. And that's... But exactly, never be worried about your wide-on. But um, <laughs> there's... Um, wait, Brett, can I, can I not do two or no? Yeah, for this, listen, the, for the more the merrier for this one. Okay. I like it when someone embraces this question. Oh, I, lo- I loved it. It was so fun to think about this because I was like, what right. has worried me sexually? Um, so, um, again, not worried about this one, actually, but I think it's a great scene and super sexy. So that movie, The Handmaiden, which yep. is a very sexy, dark, crazy film by Park Chan Wook, who I'm obsessed with, but worried about him because I'm like, you watch his movies and you're like, are you good? <laughs> but um, <laughs> Everything okay at home? Yeah, exactly. The scene in that movie where I think it's before they slept together, the, the, the like, the the, um, yeah, when she's shaving her yeah, tooth. Yeah, that is a sexy, that is really sexy. I was sexy. like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. it's such a sexy scene. And I thought it was so well done. I was like, this is amazing. But I was like, I'm getting turned on by two women. <laughs> it's like shaving, like someone's shaving down, like a woman shaving down another woman's teeth. And I'm like, this is crazy. And as a straight woman, I was like, listen, sexuality is very complicated. And, you know, profound anyway yeah i didn't know that my my thing was watching someone shave someone's teeth off in a bus yeah yeah, yeah. i can't wait for that to happen to me so i can't go to the dentist is what i'm saying Um, (laughs) (laughs) no but my i think my my real answer because i actually was like i shouldn't find that that sexy so in butch cassidy and the sundance kid yeah robert redford's character uh comes home early on and 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 um well you don't know what's his home yet but he comes into a room he's or he's in a room in the dark sitting with his gun Woman walks in and he's pointing the gun at her and like I think she had started to undress and he was like tells her to keep undressing and she very slowly like under the pressure of this gun like undresses for him basically and I was like I'm really aroused by this but what are these dynamics <laughs> at play <laughs> and um and I was like I really should not find this man forcing this woman to get undressed <laughs> but there's so much like frisson or yeah. frisson, what, what how do you pronounce that word frisson Prison, je sais pas. But and then you know, and then he comes up to her and like grabs her, and then she's like, "Oh my god, when are you ever? Are you going to be on time next time or something like that?" And you're like, "Oh, they're like dating; they know each other. That's good." So that was a worrying light on. That's a fantastic answer that's never come up. Oh really? I mean, in fairness to the scene, yeah. Let's hope and assume that what you're picking up on, although he is pointing a gun at her and telling her to get undressed, mm. they do know each other, and the vibe you're picking up is they're playing a game. Exactly. But here's actually something I thought about. When I was watching this movie, I was like, like that scene in particular before the, the reveal of the end, I was like, I feel like Robert Redford wouldn't shoot a scene where he is forcing a woman he does not know to get undressed. Because I was like, morally, I don't think that's his vibe. And so I was like, does she have papers on her that he needs? Um, <laughs> and then, and then she was, and anyway, yeah, it was really, I went through, so that's why I'm like, I, sh- I, I knew it was fun. It was fun. So, Really good. I absolve myself of guilt. <laughs> really, really good. Thank you. What's objectively oh, the greatest film of all time, Nia DaCosta? I hate this question, but I love this question at the same time. So I kind of want to say Gosford Park, which... <laughs> I, I mean... This is like episode 162. Yeah. No one has mentioned Gosford Park yeah. in any of these... I mean, sure, it comes up a lot in Worrying Why Dance, but in Objectively the Greatest... Because of Clive Owen? Maggie Smith. Go on, Objectively oh. the Greatest. 
<laughs> tell me, tell me um, why Gosford Park is the greatest film of all time. And maybe it's because it's like the greatest fucking script and Robert Altman and people talking over each other and the moving camera and just like, it just feels like cinema. It just feels like a murder mystery. It feels like this is a shot, which like, I feel like you could never do today where he's just like, people are talking, 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 you know, people, someone's going to be murdered. And then they like kind of pan across, they pan some people out of the room and they land on like a bunch of vials and they push in and one of them says poison. And I'm just like, yes, yes. Altman push in on that poison bottle like and the way the conversations flow with each other and like the dynamics and everything's super clear and it's not like I feel like sometimes Poirot or like uh, Agatha Christie sort of I guess the Poirot like the Poirot sort of mysteries which I love and like Lumet I think does an amazing job with them but sometimes it's just like and now two people are talking in a room about the things that they know but this movie is really like the stakes are there throughout like oh god it's just so good and it's like it's dark and it's funny and it's sexy and it's like it's. I just think it's so fucking good. Like, it just feels like a capital M movie. I mean, what an extraordinary answer. <laughs> I just feel like I have, have to be honest. I love that. Thank you. Mm. Uh, what's the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? You know, I want to see The Princess Bride, but that's just something I make the watch on Pain of Death. It actually probably is Bridget Jones's Diary. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I realized recently that I could like quote that entire film. It's truly ridiculous. Um, I just love it so much. It is. It's pretty much to me a perfect movie. It's like it's vibrating at its own frequency. <laughs> Bridget Jones's Diary. Here's the question for you: What are your thoughts on Bridget Jones: The Edge of Reason, Episode Two? I've only seen it maybe once, maybe one and a half times. I did not enjoy my experience as much as the first one, so I don't really think about that movie. Yeah. Do you like that movie? I love it. I think it's really funny. Do I have, do I have to revisit it? I think it was really, just really sort of underrated. I think mm. there's some really funny shit in it and there's some cool stuff where she takes mushroom and ends up in prison and there's a lot of like, big swings in it. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> okay, wait. Baby, The Last Dinosaur, Bridget Jones. Yeah, <laughs> enough. <laughs> what enough. a list. What a take-home list. <laughs> Baby, The Last Dinosaur, Bridget Jones' Diary and enough. This is a great festival lineup, I think. Christ. I don't know what yeah. you call that festival. Forgotten gems? <laughs> Forgotten gems. <laughs> oh my God. Gems is a word, yes. What's, yeah. the, what, what's the film? I mean, we don't like to be negative, but we'll do it quickly. Mm. What's the worst film you ever saw? Okay, so this is funny because I was really trying to think about, like, what does that mean for me? One of them is a movie that you love. So I thought that's pretty funny. Also by a filmmaker that I love. And I thought that's probably more fair to talk about a movie by a filmmaker that I think is a genius, a movie of theirs that I hate. Not in a shady way, because I think all filmmakers make bad movies. I Maybe I already did. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, dear. Um, but and then there's one movie that I literally had to walk out of, and then there's a movie that I wanted to walk out of, but I didn't because I had an Odeon pass, and it was basically free anyway. Which one of those would you like to hear? It's a multiple choice. I'm scared of the one you know I like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the one you walked out on. So it was 15 minutes, maybe five, so I don't know if it's fair to call it this, mm-hmm. into the Tim Burton sequel to Alice in Wonderland. That's, that's totally fair. I have never walked out of a movie before in my life. It was like a free, like maybe like a PGA screening. I went with a friend. I was tired, but also I was being assaulted on every level. And I just felt like, I said to my friend, I'm so sorry. I, I, have, I'm just, I have to go. I'm like, I just, and I had, I had, I escaped, I had fleed. I fled. I fled. I fled the theater. It was really hard. 
just mm. I like couldn't. Oh man, it, yeah, it was really it was a dark time. It was a dark time. What was the other one? The one you wanted to walk out of, but you didn't. So this I feel bad about because I don't think like it, it's not by filmmakers that I love. I don't even know who made the movie. It's a movie called One for the Money, and it's a Catherine Heigl film um, based on okay, a Janet yeah. Ivanovich Ivanich, uh, novel. It was supposed to be the beginning of like a series of movies, which would have been great for Catherine Heigl. I think she's great. She's a great actress. She's great. <sighs> My friend and I, we went to see it together, could not believe what we were watching. Like, we were literally in awe. We're like, how is this pop? And now, because of streaming, I think you, there's so many movies like that that are just like, like spat out onto like Hulu or Netflix or whatever, but like in a theater. <laughs> in a theater. <laughs> is it, is like, she a bounty hunter or something? She is, exactly. Yeah. 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 There's a line we could not stop saying, which is like, our history is ancient, like the pyramids, baby. <laughs> we're just like, <laughs> what? What? <laughs> oh, man. I was like, oh, God, what's, so, the, is it, what's the film you thought I loved? Oh, I know you love it because you talked about it on the podcast. Which, which? There's an exclamation point in the title. <laughs> oh, Airplane. Oh, no, I love Airplane. Oh. Airplane's amazing. What's the film with the exclamation mark? M- Mother. Oh, oh, you can have that. You can have that. I, I appreciate that Mother is very divisive. It's mother. to the point where, like, I don't, like, I remember watching that movie and I was like, I didn't even hate it. I was just like, I never want to talk about this movie ever in my life. I refuse to be a part of this, this <laughs> deception. I was like, and I fucking love Darren Aronofsky. He, like, he is like, yeah. I love him. Noah? You see Noah? I haven't seen Noah yet. Is it good? Put it on your list. Put it on your weird list. I don't like that you're asking me to watch these movies that I'm certain all are terrible. <laughs> Noah's great. Noah's like yeah. mad. Yeah. I, oh, I saw the, the beginning of Noah, the opening sequence of Noah, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Like the, it's like animated, like kind of um, birth of man sort of evolution shit. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's really cool. It's got a rock monster in it. <laughs> yeah, it's, <that>. it's pretty good. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. I'll check it out. I'm trusting uh, you, Brett. This is such a mad list you've got there. What is your 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 funny? You you've got humor in your films and shit. What's hmm. the what's the film that made you laugh the most? I think I think it's This is Spinal Tap. Yes. Um I haven't seen it in a while, but I just remember I thought every fucking thing was hilarious about that movie. Like the cucumber in the pants going through fucking mm. you know, like none more black, um, up to eleven, like all those things I was like, because usually like Iconic lines get picked out of a movie and then you watch it. Like, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was of its time. But like, every fucking thing is funny. And like, that's a Christopher Guest movie, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's a Rob Reiner. That, Rob Reiner. Yeah, that was yeah, Rob yeah. Reiner. That was part of Rob Reiner's epic seven film run of like. Rob Reiner, the greatest films. filmmaker of all time. It's we, insane. If we analyze it, yeah. He anyway, made I more masterpieces than anyone. No, not more than Spielberg. Okay, and I'd say in less time, like yeah. Spielberg doesn't have that record, but he also did release Schindler's List and Dress Park in the same year, which is insane. <laughs> yeah, which is really mad. It's actually, yeah, so I don't know. But, um, okay, you can have him. Spielberg, then Reiner. Scorsese, <laughs> Scorsese. All right. Spielberg, Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese. Right. Ooh. Yeah, he's my guy. He's actually the big part of my filmic uh, sort of yes. awakening. <laughs> same. Yeah. Love him. He's the best. Have you watched The Departed lately? Yeah. That's when I thought would age badly. And I was like, nope, still amazing. I think it's got better. Yeah, still love her. The Aviator, most underrated Scorsese film. I love it. I watched it recently and I was like, this is actually very, very good. It's brilliant. Yeah. I don't know why people don't talk about it all. I don't know why people all day aren't just talking about The Aviator. Honestly, 
I think about this with What Lies Beneath. Like, if What Lies Beneath came out today, people would be so excited about it. Yeah. And I just think it's the environment in which these movies come out. Like, what are we fatigued with? What mm. What's, like, the Oscar bait of the year? Because when you, like, extricate films from their context in that way, like, not even the context of, like, society, but the context of, like, the film industry, the mm. perception of it always, I think, shifts in a in a pleasant way. Yeah, and maybe... Unless it's Green Book, which is obviously terrible. Yeah. The Aviator <laughs> is... Uh really entertaining and i wonder if part mm. of its issue was it looks and sounds like it's an oscar bait film and i think it's mm. a really fun time as well that's true that's very true but i think it is it does because it's like you have leo like whenever you have a movie where people are playing a lot of people are playing people we're familiar with like kate blanchett playing kate hepburn or Catherine hepburn mm. i just say i don't know her like that kate um Catherine hepburn <laughs> um gwen stefani's in it playing um um, I don't know, yeah. one of our classic blonde bombshell actresses. Um, and then, of course, Leo wanting that Oscar. You know? um, he, I mean, I think he's a great actor, but I'm, sometimes I'm like, honey, you can relax now. It's like, <laughs> like when he went up for The Revenant, I was like, thank God, because he, he was going to kill himself. Like, in <laughs> doing, not like because he didn't get one, but like in the midst of doing a job. And I was like, we can't let him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he was going to hurt himself very tragically if we did not give him an Oscar. I'm glad we yeah. saved him. He's very, very good. He's very he's so good. good. I think he's weirdly underrated. Yeah. Like, obviously, he's very famous and he's like one of our last like movie stars. But I think he's a lot Probably more dexterous actor. and interesting of an actor than people give him credit for. Agreed. Dear DaCosta. Yes. You've been wonderful. I've given you a, a quite appalling list of films to watch. You've got I'm Maybe scared. the Last Dinosaur. You've got Enough. You've got, what was the other one? Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. And, and Noah. And Noah. I mean, yes, yeah. what a night you have ahead of mm, you. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me. However, when you were 96, you were 96, mm. and you were with your family and you said, who here hasn't watched The Princess Bride yet? And a lot of your family went, Grandma, you, you make us watch it once a week. But one of your great nieces had just got a new uh, girlfriend. And the girlfriend said, what's a movie? And you went, wait a second. You've not even seen a movie. Get in here. And you said, Mm. can we watch it in my bedroom? Because I am quite old. And I'd like to lie down while we watch it. And so you make your your extended family, there's about 35 of them. You make them stand up around your bed. There's no seats in your bedroom. You lie on your bed, sprawled out. You put a projector on. You show Princess Bride the great niece's girlfriend is like what is on the screen these people look so different and you're like yeah it's the olden days people look like that and they watch princess bride and in the middle of it your brain goes i mean i've seen this film enough which reminds me of that j-lo film that we still love and then your brain smiled and then it died Mm. your family they don't notice that you're dead because they're so enthralled by the Princess Bride because it still holds up in a hundred years' time. Your great niece's girlfriend goes, "Oh, new, new, new great auntie, I love that film. Great auntie, great auntie." No response. <laughs> they shake you. Oh, she's dead. I'm walking past. I got a coffin with me. You know what I'm like. Yeah, I hear screaming from the bedroom. Great auntie, wake up, wake up. I run upstairs. I go. Oh, it's not near the cost of dead, is it? And they all go, yeah. And I go, get out of here. I'll take care of it. But because you've lain on the bed, right? You've got one of those memory foam mattresses, but memory foam in the future, not only does it remember your body position, 
but it becomes part of your body. Oh, and wow. so it you are now half, half woman, half bed. Mm. And it's very hard to separate the two. It won't let, it won't let go of that memory. So I have to chop up the bed and you into pieces. Wow. So there's so much more of you than I was expecting. I mm. stuff you all into the coffin. It's fucking absolutely packed in there. There's no room in this coffin. There's only enough room to slide one DVD into the side mm-hmm. with you for you to take across to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. And one night, it's your movie night. What film are you taking to show everyone when it's your turn? Please, now, near the Costa. I'm going to bring Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day. Of course you are. And it, as, yeah. as expected. <laughs> it's a great film. And it yeah. feels like a little slice of heaven itself. So <sighs> That's a lovely review. Thank you. And, and no one's brought it, so they're going to be delighted to see you up there. Nia, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for? Other than Candyman, I don't know when this episode is going to come out, but either Candyman is just about to come out or it has just mm. come out. And I say, go see it. What do you say? I say go see it as well. Yeah, that that that's about it in the like for now. But yeah, yeah Candyman. I'm really excited about it. And then next year, in a year, if you guys can remember, I uh, have another movie coming out called The Marvel. So the Marvelous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel's movie, yes. which we're really yeah. excited about. Yeah. Nia, God bless you. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. So that was episode 162. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 20 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Nia. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but don't tell me about the podcast. I don't care. What I want to know is, what is the film that means the most to you and why? It's a very nice thing to read. It does help numbers, apparently, and all that, and I do appreciate it. Thank you to whoever listens to this podcast. Thank you so much to Nia for doing the show. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for an amazing and hilarious guest. You will love it. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.